0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and we're joined by a special guest, Esther Kish. How are you doing, Esther?
1: I'm well. How are you, Chris? Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, it's it's great to have you. I'm really stoked to get you in front of the course building community. Um, you have a lot of wisdom in publicity and marketing and strategy and becoming an influencer, connecting with influencers. I kind of want to just dive right into it. What How has publicity changed, especially in the past couple of years?
1: Oh, I love that question. Okay, so just just to backtrack a little bit, what publicity is, first of all, maybe for your community, and then how it has changed. So when most people, when they think about publicity, they think of traditional media, right? So TV and radio and newspapers and magazines, that kind of thing. And that is very accurate to this day. What we also have today is new media. Right, so we have podcasts and YouTube shows and Facebook Live interviews and blogs and all kinds of things that are getting your exposure in front of niche audiences that are maybe much, much smaller than, for instance, being on a TV show, but they're very, very targeted. And so, to answer your question, how it has changed over the last couple of years, I think we see a lot more podcasts popping up. It's been really popularized over the last eight to ten years. It's podcasts have been around a long time, but but in the last I'd probably say about three years or so, they have really grown, particularly in the niches that are relevant to course creators and experts and online marketers, is there's a lot of um, shows that are focused on marketing, entrepreneurship, personal development, health, and fitness. And so if you're focusing your energy when you're giving interviews to uh, on approaching podcasters and uh, YouTube show hosts and Facebook Live to online media, Typically, your ROI is going to be more significant than if you only went the traditional route. Now, I'm not saying TV is bad or, you know, a radio or anything like that. Those are fantastic, and they're huge credibility builders. So once you have those logos on your website at SCNON, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, like whatever it may be that where you are featured, those are huge for building your credibility And if your topic is something that is mainstream, like for example, weight loss or fitness or some nutrition, something that is interesting to the average person on the street, then it will also help you with lead generation. If you have a niche offer, like for example, you teach people on, you know with with your in with your uh, situation, Chris, for example, you teach people on how to create a course and and how to put it online. That's not something that would be interesting to someone watching breakfast television right? Right. Right. So, so for that, for you to to get leads, actually, it's fantastic to be interviewed on podcasts and any other types of online media as well. It, it, we've had clients that literally made millions of dollars just through the exposure of being on podcasts.
0: That is awesome. Esther is over at borntoinfluence.com. dot com. Uh, go check that out. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. What for podcast guesting, like uh, recently, uh, you connected me with Ryan Levesque. I interviewed Ryan and then I think I saw in a tweet or something he said somewhere, whoa, I just got off doing 30 interviews for my book tour or whatever. And, <laughs> uh, so clearly he's, he's doing a podcast guesting strategy and he had a great interview. It was awesome. Um, How does somebody like if they decide to focus on podcast guesting as a strategy, what's the first steps to kind of get the ball rolling and to even think about, you know, approaching all these people and how to do it?
1: Okay, so the very first thing that you gotta know for sure is what your deadline is. So for example, with Ryan Levesque, he has a book or he had a book coming out. It just came out on April 30th. So we started, we counted back the clock of accommodating for the lead time of what it will take to reach out to a podcaster, get that interview recorded, make sure that, that everybody's calendar is synced up and at the same time also leave enough time for publishing. It would usually take minimum three to four months. Now, with a uh, bigger book launch, like, for example, with Ryan's new book, with Choose, we started in October, so seven months prior to the book coming out. So this is the first thing that if you want to do your podcast interviews as an effort to generate buzz, for example, for a book launch or a live event or a product launch course or something like that, you really have to plan ahead of time. The other thing that you have to understand is, what kind of content am I going to share on these podcast interviews that will be really relevant to that audience, right? So you don't want to talk about something very esoteric if it's more of a how-to type of a show, right? So you you need to be prepared for that. And how can I create something that is a free offer that people can learn more that will be relevant to what we just talked about on the interview? So to give you an example, uh, Chrissy and I were just talking like literally before we started recording, okay, what do you want to mention as as a free offer, something that you can actually promote to your audience. And and we discuss between two options based on what would be most relevant to this particular group and this listenership. So that's really important to have a couple of things in your arsenal and and make sure that you talk about something in the interview where in your audience's mind, the next logical step will be that I want to check it out. I need more information and they will want to update to your email list based on what you offer.
0: Can you describe what you're offering over at Born to Influence?
1: Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) So one of uh, of the things that you can do, so we have a lot of uh, resources on publicity, how to get media attention, but really the biggest thing to understand is When is it right for you to do the interview? What you should do to actually get more exposure? Because somebody like Ryan Levesque, right, he has an eight-figure company. He is in a different position than someone who just launched their first course, right, financially, time-wise, relationship-wise. So you really need to know what what would be relevant for you. And so I've designed a quiz actually based on Ryan's (laughs) methodology, right? That will actually help you with – there's 12 really fun and easy questions that you can – fill out. And it's an assessment that will point you in the right direction, what type of media to go after, whether or not it makes sense for you right now to maybe hire a publicist, or maybe it's something that you should do on your own for now. So it will help you figure out what your next best steps are to really build that authority and personal brand that you're looking for.
0: That's awesome. You you mentioned in your last answer, something about... Um, it like news, ABC, NBC, Forbes, Entrepreneur. Like you get these uh, credibility indicators on your website. If somebody wants to go after some of that, whether that's through TV or through these publications, how do they? How do they go after that kind of? Okay. Getting on those stages.
1: So it's incredibly important, both with podcasters and with the publications like Forbes and Inc and Entrepreneur, with mean anything really, to build relationships. Right? You don't want to just come out and say, the, "Hey, random person, <laughs> I should be a guest on your show." That doesn't work usually. Well,
0: I have to. I have to say, I was on your website and I was watching you and some of your videos, and you're on these news channels and stuff. I'm like, how did that happen? So how? Yeah. That- <laughs>
1: So so what what you uh first of all, relationships are key. that's always the biggest thing it it's more important or it will take you you know it will give you more exposure over the long term to focus on relationships, particularly in online media with traditional media like t v and radio, it's more news based so we're there, if you're pitching yourself, of course, it's great if you have a relationship with that editor or, or podcast or uh, producer or whatever it may be news director that you're pitching your story to. But there, what is also really really important is answer the question: Why now? not only does it have to be a good story, but it has to be something that they have a reason to cover now, right? So it has to have a strong news peg. So, for example, Chris, you were mentioning that you saw some of my TV interviews on my website. Like one of them, for example, was very, very timely. To remember when the United Airlines scandal broke out, when they dragged off a passenger yeah. who was a doctor and like the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> so it was covered in the news for a whole week. Like every station was talking about how terrible it was. And so I did an interview in uh, New York on the CW um, on this topic, like what can the airline as a company do from a publicity perspective to recover from this horrible thing that they they really lost a lot of trust with their customers, right, with, with a lot of people who were maybe considering Fine United before. So we talked about that. So you would look at what's going on right now, what's trending news, or if they're – like trending is not something that you can – Time, right? Because it's just something that happens based on breaking news. Another way of to go about it is maybe you look at upcoming holidays, like you know Mother's Day we just had, Father's Day, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, like upcoming holidays or local events. Like if you live in a small town, for example, and they have a conference going on or something that you could tie your expertise to. And now you ask yourself, okay, what is my expertise, and how can I connect it to something that the media is already interested in? Okay, so, for example, with with the United Airlines story, that was kind of an easy one because we knew that they're already interested in the in the scandal. And it's also a huge publicity fiasco for the airline. So it was an easy connection to what my expertise is. But it's not always like that. So, for example, let's say if you're an expert in sales, maybe you're a sales coach or trainer or somebody who helps people get better conversions through a done for you service, something like that. What are some of your underlying skills that really make the service possible? So maybe... You're really good at building rapport. You're good at getting people to trust you. You're good at uh, striking up conversations. Like there are a bunch of soft skills that you could actually tie into something that is an upcoming event or something that the news media is interested in. Like for example, right now we are going into the summer season, so all the barbecues are coming, <laughs> right? right? What do you do with social anxiety? What do you do if, if you don't know how to talk to people? You're always a wallflower at parties, right? So you could use those skills that you have as a sales expert and use it in tied in into something that the media is going to cover anyway already so you always want to connect those two and that's how you pitch it
0: i like how you came into to the united airlines thing with like a solution it wasn't like i'm here i'm talking about the problem but you're like hey what i have a solution so yeah were you publishing content or something that then they reached out to you to like come speak on the matter, or how did that?
1: No, I have not. So I am very proactive with this, particularly with traditional media, TV and radio. Yeah. there is a there is a tipping point. You know, if you're really a very quote unquote famous person, like even if you're in the online space, like let's say Lisa Nichols or, or somebody who's really been featured in hundreds and hundreds of TV shows and national shows and everything, there might come a point where they actually call you okay. right, to comment on a story. But generally speaking, for, for your average entrepreneur, for people in this particular audience, it's the best way to go about it is to figure out what's going on right now and how can I connect my talking points and my viewpoint to that and pitch yourself. So you want to be proactive for sure.
0: So the phone's just not going to ring. You got <laughs> to go out there. <laughs> you mentioned uh, in your comment about a wallflower. I w- I've read something you or watched something you had done about um, connecting with influencers, whether you're not as successful as them or you're introverted or shy. And, and can you talk about that dynamic and how to kind of get comfortable when people have different levels of power or fame, or you're not super experienced at like creating these kind of partnerships and joint content?
1: Yes. So the very first thing to understand is that it all gets decided in your head, right? <laughs> it's it's much more of a mindset game rather than what you actually do, what you say, how you reach out. So it's really important to, if, for example, you want to connect with Grant Cardone or Gary Vaynerchuk or whoever it is that you perceive as someone super successful, New York Times bestselling author, they made hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever. And, and so... It's important that just because that is the real objective truth, that doesn't mean that they are a bigger or better person than you. So don't put them on a pedestal because then you're always underneath them, right? It's, it's kind of like when you go to an event, a conference, and, and you see the speakers and now you're running up to them to say thank you and congratulations and let me ask you a question. That's a very different situation than, for instance, if you were one of the speakers and now suddenly you're peers, right? Yeah. So uh, it's important to have that mindset when you approach someone, whether or not you were speaking at that conference, whether or not you're reaching out through social media or, or connecting with someone directly, is to really understand that they're just a human being, just like you, right? And I bet you that there are things in your life that they would look up to as well if they only knew, right? Maybe you're a super organized and productive person, or you really have your health together, and they don't, or your relationship, or whatever it may be. There's definitely something that they're struggling with and from the outside it seems like oh my god they're the big person but the, everybody has you know they they're a little bit of fragile uh self-esteem things so if you put them up on a pedestal it makes it difficult for them to relate to you as an equal as well so it's really important to to approach the conversation in a way where uh, they can be comfortable talking to you right so, like, imagine if if I came up to you and I'm like, oh, my God, Chris, I mm-hmm. don't understand how to do anything with this whole online thing. And how do you put up groceries? Like, I was mm-hmm. drooling yeah. over you and playing yeah. a finger.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: might be very flattering, but at the same time, it would be really hard to have a conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's much better to find a topic that maybe is relevant to your expertise. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something like they're moving to a new city and, and you are able to recommend a realtor to them or whatever like contribute to them in a way that actually moves the conversation forward
0: that's awesome while we're kind of on this topic of do's and don'ts you I know you have some opinions on social media do's and don'ts like what what are some things that people should avoid and what are some things that people should do more of if they want to get more exposure through social media and connections
1: Well, one of the things that you want to definitely pay attention to is to lead with value. I always say to lead with the spirit of generosity and giving, because if you're trying to only promote or only reach out to a particular person because you want something for them, they can, re- from them, they really feel that, right? They, they know that they're just waiting for the other to shoot to drop. It's, not, it's so, so you want to lead with value always and to make sure that you're contributing in a way that is very, very selfless. And that comes back tenfold. I actually like to to call this the reverse mafia game, you know? Okay. Like for instance, <laughs> if, if you're reaching out to a really big name influencer and you know, with the mafia, they're always doing you a favor, but then you kind of owe them for life. Right. Turn the tables, you do them the favors. You help them out. And coming with that level of generosity and and really no agenda, it comes back to you tenfold.
0: And there's a time delay, right? It's not like instant.
1: Yeah, most of the time. I mean, it yeah. might take you a few weeks, it might t- may take you a few months, it might take you years to actually uh, see something very specific, and tangible from that particular interaction. But the beauty of this is that the more consistent you are, like, let's just say you reach out to two people in a week, right? So over the next year, you're going to have 100 conversations, that's, I mean, if you don't have at least 25 to 30 solid relationships just from that, then then something is wrong, right? So just, just having a couple of little emails, a couple of little messages a week going out proactively to people and starting to build these relationships really makes a difference over the long term. And the other thing is that the person who you're connecting with may or may not be in a position to hire you right now. Maybe they're not looking for that type of thing or they can't afford it or they already have someone in their team. Who knows? But if you build credibility and trust with them, they're going to be recommending you over time. You're building a reputation, which is really what, what is a big part of building a personal brand. It's great to have all the media exposure, but also it's the relationships, right? And so I, I'm sure you have this experience too, that when somebody's asking for your type of expertise on Facebook and then you see your Facebook notifications and like five people are tagging you in the comments <laughs> on that yeah. post, right? And that happens over time because you built those relationships and you built a reputation by sharing your results on social media. Like usually I share a couple of interviews from each of my clients, you know, that, hey, look at this TV interview or this podcast that they've just done. If I think that they're relevant to my audience as well, you know, I'll definitely share it. And so it's always top of mind for people who follow me and so next time somebody's asking for publicity help, they're gonna definitely tag me on that and and that's a really really cool way to to build awareness and and word of mouth as well
0: thank you for that i wanted to ask you for the course creators out there and people building these learning and training platforms they want to sometimes we hear that you know joint venture partnerships are a way it can be an effective way to grow or to launch or to scale um, can you describe what a joint venture partnership is and how to go about structuring one of those and any kind of general advice around that?
1: Yeah, it's not my expertise. So <laughs> I'll just profess it with that. But I have actually, you know, negotiated quite a few of these deals for my clients, starting with the interview side. So typically what we do is I reach out, for example, to a podcaster and say that hey, I have this client. I think that he would provide really great value for the show. These are some ideas this is what the person is about this is their story and these are a couple of ideas for what you guys could talk about once they say yes to that interview if that client for or if you're doing it for yourself if you know that you have for instance a course that you're launching or a book or whatever uh, and you're looking for affiliates to promote them now that they said yes now it's a great time to reach out and say hey by the way we also have this thing on the back end uh I would love for you to, to share it with your community as well. What do you think? Let's hop on a quick call. And so basically you do it not after you've done the interview. You do it between booking the interview and actually recording it. And the reason is, is because psychologically that person already said yes to you, right? They, they right. like your content. They like the, what you're about, the, your values and everything else. It would be crazy for them not to want to share <laughs> more. It doesn't mean that necessarily they will email their list. It depends on their editorial calendar whether they do affiliate deals or not right but that's the best time to ask it and it also give you an opportunity to gives you an opportunity to have an additional conversation with that person whether it's, you know, to discuss the different, you know, the setup of exactly what the payout is and what the affiliate or the JV deal looks like, or maybe have someone on your team to take care of that for you. But you're building a deeper relationship with that person where they will be so much more likely to promote and push out the podcast even more because they know that they'll also have a a monetary benefit from it once they start promoting that affiliate link too.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for that. I know your client, Ryan Levesque, there's kind of this strategy here. I was wondering if you could kind of explain and unpack a little bit where um, he's you're, you're helping him get on niche podcasts. And then he has a book, which I believe he's doing free plus shipping um, in terms of the pricing around the book, which is what he's kind of promoting at the end or on the podcasts that he is a guest on. And then there's back-end sales. Like once people opt in and get the book, then he has other things that, um, you know, are on offer. Can you describe yeah. that strategy and a little bit more in detail or what what you like about it and how it works?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, so this is really important to understand for, for everybody listening. If you have a course or even if you don't have a book, but just a lot of people in this industry write a book at some point, whether or not they make a bestseller campaign, that's a different thing but really the idea is to establish your authority right and to to have that book as a conversation starter to give away as much as you can so the the age of these old legion books you know which was like 60 pages of all fluff and no content no value yeah that that, that doesn't work (laughs) what you want to do is to really give them the how-to because people who are diyers who, who like to implement everything themselves they will have everything in that book and they can use it as a manual and they'll tell all their friends about it versus people who actually would rather have you do it or take your course, uh, they will reach out anyway. So there is no harm at all. in there's no downside to giving them all the information. Now you want to be strategic about it. And for instance, if you have a book, then we want to have additional resources like an audio book or video content or quiz or whatever it may be that's that's not feasible to put it in the printed form, right? So that's something that's a little bit more interactive or it's in a different media format so that people have to opt in for it because that way they get into your, what you were saying, uh, into your funnel, right? They get on your email list and now you can market to them long-term, ongoing, as long as they, they want to hear from you. And so this is really critical because most people who just simply write a book and they don't have a backend, they don't have a funnel, they're not making any money. They really, they don't. The average book sells about 700 copies and that's with really great marketing. (laughs) Okay. So what you hear sometimes with the New York times bestsellers, you know, we sold a hundred thousand copies or whatever. That's really because they already have a huge platform, right? And they have a lot of advertising and publicity both going on at the same time. So paid ads like Facebook ads and whatever else they have, as well as a lot of content, SEO optimized, and then doing all the interviews. So, um, Even then, with the internet marketing space, with with just 20,000, 30,000 copies sold, it's a great accomplishment. It's a lot more than the average book, but it's still not going to make you any money. Like, you're lucky if you (laughs) really break even. So it's critical to have something that you offer, like a course on the back end, where they understand the the content from, from your book, and now they want help with the implementation. So Uh, to to share a little bit with what we've done with Ryan and this is totally his genius, you know, of of building the right funnel and really having the right people is we would get him on my side, we get him all these interview opportunities. People order the book, they read it, now they want help with the implementation. And of course, they've already built up so much know, like, and trust. Now they want to have that information directly from the source, from the right person. So in this case with Ryan, he has an online course, he has live events, he has a software product that you can use when you're implementing his methodology. So all of those things play together, right? And so one of the things that you can do to make it really, really effective is Use your publicity pieces, meaning your podcast interviews, your features in Forbes and Inc. and Entrepreneur, your TV interviews, whatever it is that the type of media that you're getting, and use it as content inside your ads as well. So what we have seen is people who, for instance, they're featured in Entrepreneur magazine, they take that article and then they use it as ad, as, as an ad rather than saying that hey, get get my free book here. They're just putting an article in front of that person. Now you're in, in the person's mind who just came across it. It's like, oh, I read that article in Forbes or, oh, I saw it in the news. Because you, you're using a TV clip as a video views ad on Facebook. And I think it might be going a little bit technical here, but basically you're retargeting people and, and getting it in front of them as a repeated message. So that by the time they come to a sales calls with you, for instance, if you're doing coaching or they come to your landing page to buy the course, it's incredible important that they have so much trust that they're barriers go completely down because in their mind, you're everywhere, right? Because you've been retargeting them with all these publicity pieces. And so with Ryan, I mean, with with the last book that I worked on uh, with Ask, we literally added over $1.8 million per year to his business with the strategy podcast and then retargeting them and then selling the the back-end products. And with Choose, I can't speak to it yet just because it just came out a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) but I know that we've sold thousands and thousands of So I'm pretty sure that this will be a a great success as
0: well. Wow. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing and and breaking that down. You've kind of talked about it a lot already, but I just want to ask if there's anything else you recommend people kind of being aware of or strategies to try if they want to become more of an influencer or a thought leader and intentionally focus on leveling up in that department.
1: So yes. So the first thing that you want to look at is really understand what your own goals are and get clear on that, right? Do you want credibility? Do you want the opportunity to build relationships? Do you want primarily leads and sales? Like what is it that you actually, when there was like 15 different things that could potentially play into this, of but those are the biggest ones usually. Credibility, having authority, building a personal brand on the branding side, and then also you have the leads and sales. I want more people applying for discovery sessions or, or opting in to get a, uh, you know, a freebie and then market to them through the funnel. Like all of those things, you have to understand what's most important to you. What kind of publicity have you done so far? And what's the missing piece, right? So for instance, if you've already done some TV shows and and radio interviews, and you have those big brand credibility builders, you can say, as seen on, because of legitimate interviews on your website, but now you're looking for leads and sales, maybe you'll focus on podcasts and YouTube shows and Facebook Live interviews versus getting more TV. Now, if you're, again, if you're in a mainstream market, like for instance, nutrition, that's that's just an easy example, something that is really interesting to a mainstream audience, you might still pursue TV and radio. Now, let's say if you've never done any kind of publicity before, then I would always recommend to do a 2 pronged approach. Definitely make sure that you get at least a handful of traditional media uh interviews and and have those credibility builders it will really help you with with um, your conversions on every other aspect of your funnel and just people trust you more because really you know if you've if you've been seen on tv it's it's a huge it's psychological but it's really really huge for people to to trust you way quicker and way faster so it shortens your short, uh, your sales cycle and it reduces your ad cost as well and then the other side of it is if you want more leads and sales then be sure that you prepare for those interviews. You reverse engineer the content, right? We have that whole method called the IMMC, the Intentional Media Message Content, which is really basically where I take you through a whole set of questions to really understand what are those stories and examples and case studies and anecdotes that you'll be sharing on those interviews in a way that really speaks to that audience that will be very compelling so that they want to learn more. And also it fits the media format. And the reason is why it's so important is because the way you deliver your message is going to vary from platform to platform. So for instance, in a podcast interview, yeah, 20, 30 minutes or an hour, you can talk. You have a lot of yeah, time yeah. to go in depth. Versus in a TV interview, you will have a minute and a half to two minutes. And that includes the questions. Like You really have to know what are those talking points that you want to hit that is easy to convey, that is more visual as well. It's more entertaining. Maybe you have some B-roll. So it's a different way of preparing for that type of an interview or for a written article in Forbes or Inc or whatever versus, for instance, an audio podcast, right? So you make sure that you get clear on your goals. What do you want to accomplish? target the right type of media and then prepare with your content for that specific type of media and make sure that you vary your stories as well. So your origin story, like how you came to do, what you do, like all that stuff, your bio is going to be the same because that's just your story, but then when you're saying the how-to, the examples, you always want to make sure that you include something that you only showed on that podcast, so that they feel like, "Wow, I'm always learning something new from this person. This is really cool. I need to follow them more." Because especially with podcasts, people when they listen to one, they don't just listen to one; they're gonna listen to seven other <laughs> shows. This is there is uh, there's research done by um, Edison Pew Research. You know they do every year about the podcast consumer and that's that's the average the average person who listens to podcasts they usually listen to seven other shows as well in, in a week so uh you want to make sure that when you're doing multiple shows you address it where it really fits and customized to that audience and, and make it so that you're enticing them to learn more from you because repetition is really really powerful
0: that's a really good point i um sometimes you can tell somebody who has a good publicist like you and you'll, I'll see them pop up on my podcast feed, like in lots of different shows. And some people do a really good job of having, they're not the same interviews. So if you're yeah. like really interested in that person or that topic, you can just follow them across podcast land and learn a lot.
1: And, and that's really important to understand. And that goes back to preparation, because if you approach it just the same way that you would do a speaking gig, where you have your quote unquote signature speak, and you have, you tell them what you're going to tell them, you have your five talking points, you tell them, tell them what you told them, that works on stage, right? Because we know what works, what the audience responds to, et cetera. And chances are people are not going to follow you from conference to conference to conference within the span of six months right but when you're doing that online through interviews they will go and listen to a few of your other podcasts and video interviews and everything else so you can't be exactly the same because it burns out really fast and podcast hosts don't like that either like there's like there are a handful of people who i know who are really big show hosts and like yeah that author he's done the circuit i'm not having him on the show just because of that, you know that it's like right. you that look we can do something really unique for your show don't worry <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Um, You mentioned one of the other motivations for becoming an influencer is uh, building a personal brand. I just wanted to ask you about personal brand in general. If um, like some people, they want like their course or their site to just be like a brand and they don't want to be in front of it. It's just like it's the system or whatever. But when, when I look at things like if I look at courses that have been around a long time or coaching programs, like let's say product launch formula... I see a system and I see Jeff Walker, the human being, like they're both present. Mm -hmm. Can you just speak to like personal brand versus like the business brand and should we embrace both and what is it like when they complement each other? Yeah. Yeah. Just speak to that.
1: It's really important, particularly for course creators, to have a face to the brand. Actually, I was just speaking at a conference from one of my past clients, Ed O'Keefe, a couple of months ago, and he, um, do you know him or know of him?
0: Which, what was the name?
1: Ed O'Keefe.
0: Oh, I know that name. I'd have to see him, but. Oh,
1: okay. So, So Ed is really well known in the online marketing space as a marketer, but really his actual business is a supplement business so mm-hmm. he has a supplement called marine 3d that has sold over 70 million dollars 7 zero, over the last few years like literally 500 million bottles already or, or even more at this point and and uh, so for example he's not the face of that brand but he still has somebody, right, Who who is a human a relatable person. It's a physical product. It's a supplement. But still, it's important for the person who's taking the supplement or who's coming across it for the first time to get some kind of information why it's going to be good for them. And, and so the event that he put on was particularly for people in the e-commerce and supplement space who are doing physical products. And, and he invited me to speak specifically on this that why you need to have a face to that brand now if you the founder don't want to be the person who is the face of that brand it's possible but you're going to have a doctor or some you know a chiropractor or something that would be relevant for particularly for supplements and nutrition for other types of courses where you're sharing your own expertise i think it's important to have your own self if you are the one who is teaching it it's it's really hard, particularly in the beginning, to just have the method and not your face as the brand and establish credibility. Because people are, when they hear an interview, they're looking to fall in love with someone who they can really trust and who they can look to for guidance. And then the next logical step is down the line to buy that course. But if it's just this magical methodology, and you're trying to be the wizard behind the curtain, <laughs> it doesn't work. It's no it would require a lot of money like a big company with an established brand you know they may be able to do that but for somebody who's a solo entrepreneur just getting started it's critical that you you proudly wear wear your face as as the face of the brand
0: any more tips on proudly wearing your face or like authenticity or just being you
1: yeah, I mean, this is this is really critical. Like you can't fake it. Like you, you can't, if, if, I, if I was dressing dressed in a suit here or something like, you know, like very corporate-y, that's not who I am and that you would feel that. And it's, it sounds silly because it's just such a simple thing like what you wear, it actually matters. So the, the old days of quote-unquote being professional is not actually required anymore. Certainly not in the online coaching and consulting and, and course creation space because people are looking to to look up to a person and kind of be friends with them as well because they start like, especially when you start sharing little details of your own life, like you, you know, snap pictures of, even if it's your breakfast or some animals that you saw on the street or whatever, you know, like your pets or kids, they they get a sense that they know you. And so they are so much more likely to buy because they fall in love with you as a person. And it kind of feels like you're a friend of theirs, right? Somebody who really gets them, particularly if, if you, your story and your expertise is something that you've gone through personally through your own transformation or something that you've helped clients with, you can speak that language that they have, right? But if you're just trying to to write it, like in the old days, they had, you know, like some very famous dating coaches who just use a pseudonym and, okay. and a stock photo. And, <laughs> the, and no. <laughs> and people people want to see the real thing. And if you look at it, like even... This is crazy, and I'm not following this or not advising anybody to follow this business model, but there are so many YouTubers, right, who have hundreds of thousands, even millions of followers, they don't have an expertise per se to themselves, but they're just logging their lives. And if it's entertaining enough, people start to latch on and they really want to follow. And now they're eager to buy anything that that person is affiliated with, whether it's just a sponsored product that they mentioned. Oh, I love this piece of you know foundation for, for the makeup gurus, for example, or I love this clothing piece or like this software. They will definitely buy that because they came to trust the person. So if you can marry the two and true, talk from your true expertise and from your own story and at the same time be very relatable, that's the best of both worlds.
0: Course creators have a, a strength with video, usually because many, most of them are making some kind of video lesson. I talk to a lot of experts who, you know, they make their course content, they get comfortable, they talk on the camera, but they, um, they're not really come from a background in sales or marketing and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. what general knowing that they have kind of a baseline of video skill set if they want to go to youtube to get exposure do you have any more just general tips about youtube as a channel
1: um so youtube is not my expertise but what i will say is that being interviewed on camera is something that is really a very valuable skill set to have so if you've already recorded a course where you're speaking directly to the camera you have a level of of comfort, right, where you can speak to a lens and be very comfortable. I think that interviews are actually easier than doing pre-recorded content. <laughs> like when I did my own course, I did PowerPoint slides and I'm not even camera, like for the first couple of, you know, the introduction, yes, but otherwise I'm I'm giving the information through the slides and I'm doing a voiceover for it. But when you're doing interviews, you're talking to another person. So the, the general feeling of it is not like, I'm being recorded, and here's the things that I have to look at. I'm looking at you, right? And right. they're looking at your face, and we are having an interaction. That's that's very different. That's why I prefer actually doing even live streams to doing pre-recorded content. To to me personally, it's just way easier because I get to interact. People just comment. I say hello to them. You know, it's a conversation, and it's it's a very very valuable skill to have. One thing to keep in mind is, of course, you want to. You don't have to be like super fancy but you want to look presentable right and have the best equipment that you can have now this again doesn't mean anything super fancy but something like like for example right now i have my little yeti microphone in front of me right it's
0: yeah
1: 60 bucks so i don't know like not expensive at all and just usb like you don't need to have the whole big setup for lights as well when you're on camera if you can just sit in front of a win- window like what i'm doing right now it's literally just natural light from my window and it looks good now, if you want to go really fancy, you want to have your soft boxes and lights, definitely do that because it will elevate the quality. But that's not a requirement to get started and do really, really well. If, if you needed to buy anything for doing interviews, what I would recommend is to get a microphone because that's something that podcasters and YouTubers alike are really picky about is not to have that you know, really crappy sound quality from the built-in microphone of your computer, but rather have something that you can plug in and use that.
0: Awesome. Well, you made it to the lightning round, Esther. <laughs> so, um, I just have a couple more questions for you. what do you, What do you think is your superpower?
1: Connecting with people.
0: I, I have a, a side tangent with that, which is, um, how do you do it? How like how do you approach that? Like strategically, or like how do you how do you manage all that? Because if you're connecting with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of names do you have any technology to help help you like keep track or who you should follow up with or and stuff like that
1: yeah so it's it's very simple it's like really caveman style okay <laughs> intuition you know when when somebody pops into my head i'm not gonna just think about oh yeah i should talk to that person and i'm gonna sit on it for two weeks i'm just gonna pick quickly pop them a message. So so that's the really easiest way that you that's how I do in the majority of it. Now there are times when you actually are time bound, right? When you say that I'm gonna follow up in two weeks, probably you don't wanna wait for inspiration to exactly hit a two week mark. Right. Yeah. So for that you would mark your calendar. That I do that. But uh, it really is something that you build out gradually over time. So when I was saying earlier with the two like two people a week, that's not that much that you you know that it would be something where you need a huge, big software system for it. I know that those things exist. I don't like them because the way I've been approached, like on on the other side, you know, when people send me an email, and it seems very personal based on the, you know, what the copy says in the email, but then underneath it says like, sent through whatever contactually or whatever else oh, yeah. they have you know it's like i know that you're sending the exact same thing to a thousand other people like yeah <laughs> 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 if you want to talk to me talk to me <laughs> so so i prefer just to keep it really simple now if i have a client for instance and they they're looking to get speakers let's just say for their live event and it's six months from now we are in a time crunch right especially if they want the big name speakers so i'm going to make an excel spreadsheet or a google spreadsheet rather Column A is all the dream people that we want to connect with. Column B is the mutual friends. And if you don't have any mutual friends, then the friend of a friend, you know, the whole six degrees of separation. Use Facebook. It's so easy because you'll be able to see who are your mutual friends and who are those people who you can connect with. And now down the line, you can start building those relationships now with the in between people and when it's when the time is right ask for an introduction so that's a really really easy way to do that as well and then i do something really similar for following up with leads right if, if somebody acquires to work with me usually they ask way early like several months before they actually need um the service so so then i just mark in a spreadsheet for myself that this is the person this is when i need to follow up with them and as a backup i also mark it on my calendar so it's really, a, it's, you're doing it twice, but that's why it's a fail step. Like if I forgot to look at my spreadsheet, you know, but at least it's there on my calendar, follow up with such and such person, really simple.
0: Awesome. And then how, how, if we're building our influence, what advice do you have for approaching a conference? Like there's, it seems like there's so many conferences right now in all these different industries that it's hard to choose which one to go to or whatever. Even in a real, in a niche, often there's like lots of options is it like speaking or you know coming coming with like some key people that we're going to connect with or like how do we get the most out of a conference
1: okay so I guess it would depend really on where you're at in your career right now, how much yeah. traction you've already have and how much experience as a speaker you have. For me personally, I don't go to events unless I'm speaking. Like it sounds very sloppy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
1: it, it really is the truth. Like last year I did six speaking gigs. This year I'm not going to any event. The only one I went to is Podfest, because it's a thousand podcasters. I spoke at that event for the last three years. This, this year, I didn't speak, but I went because I know that it's good for my clients when I connect with all these podcasters. So you are going to be really strategic about what makes sense for you. If you've never done a speaking gig before, or it's not something that you're looking for, then certainly you can just go for the content and for connecting with people at events, particularly if you're extroverted. If you're introverted, it's a little harder. So I, for for people who are more like me with that, that you know, I, if I don't leave the house for four days, I'm very happy. (laughs) So (laughs) I like, you know, big crowds really, really drain me. So I really like to connect with people through small groups, like a mastermind, for example, that's very different than Having hundreds of people at a big conference, or through these one-on-one type of calls, like even with you, Chris, when we first connected, I emailed you and then we had a little chat on on Skype or Zoom, one of those two, and then we ended up scheduling multiple interviews for my clients. We're doing this one now. It all started from proactively building a relationship, right? So that's a really easy way, and it's a good alternative. It, um, one of my friends just posted, and he's pretty well known as a you know marketing advisor and guru, and just couple of days ago he posted on Facebook that you know that if you're not going to live events if you're not making it a point it's going to be really hard to reach a hundred thousand dollars a month right in revenue because you're not connecting face to face and I I just had to comment I'm like well you're doing events on your personality type you know because if you're introverted it's, it's no point it's really really hard I'm not saying don't go if you want to push yourself and push your boundaries or you really want to learn the content but don't feel like you need to fit into the box of someone else's prescribed formula because all of it works, you know, like webinars work, Facebook ads work, YouTube work, everything works. You just have to find what makes sense for you, where you can really shine, where your strengths are, or where you can have support through your team, for example, and then do those things. So for me, connecting in small groups are so one-on-one way better than speak, or going to big conferences, especially if I'm not speaking, I'm not going. <laughs>
0: Right there with you. I'm more of a, <laughs> a small group kind of guy, and uh, I love my masterminds. I'm part yeah. of like maybe five masterminds. Like that's, yeah. I love it. And uh, for me personally, I like to. Um, I'm more introverted, but I can go to conferences, and I can, I can even, I like speaking in smaller groups and stuff. But um, if I'm doing a webinar, I can have like tons of people on the there, and I don't. It doesn't feel like I'm on a stage with all these people looking at me or whatever. Yeah.
1: It just depends yeah, I- on
0: your personality.
1: Absolutely. And I, I love speaking. I really yeah. do. And and if it's a big audience, it's, it's an honor. And it's really fun. And you get great video out of it. So by the way, talking about building your personal brand, you know, yeah. having that professional video that that AV uh, crew records there for you, that's invaluable. Because later, if you want to have paid speaking gigs, or you want to maybe do higher-end consulting, having a few clips of you speaking at other events, having TV interviews, that will really help with rolling it into more and more opportunities for yourself. But again, be strategic about it. Like if it's like a, a meetup locally, eh, you know, for course creators, most likely that's, that's not the best way to, to spend their time. Then you're much better off reaching out to three, four, five people and getting one-on-one calls with them.
0: Esther, I want to thank you so much. I feel like you've dropped a lot of wisdom, knowledge, hard-won lessons, and and experience. You can find Esther at borntoinfluence.com. Check out her uh, assessment, Does the Media Want You? The free assessment goes through a series of questions. How else can the good course creators and membership site builders out there connect with you?
1: Well, definitely through the website. It's it's a really easy way. Otherwise, you can just email me at esther at borntoinfluence.com. So it's E-S-T-H-E-R, esther at borntoinfluence.com. And I'm happy to get back to you and help you out.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I hope you enjoyed the show. This show was brought to you by Lifter LMS, the number one tool for creating, selling, and protecting, engaging online courses to help you get more revenue, freedom, and impact in your life. Head on over to lifterlms.com and get the best gear for your course creator journey. Let's build the most engaging results getting courses on the internet.